Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, July 22, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 97, paragraph 2, We Seldom Allow. Today's readers are 12 Steps to V, 12 Traditions, Denise P. Readers of the text, Sylvia F., Marie P., Esther C. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, July 21st, 2014, is 6676. 6676. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, at a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sue V to read the 12 steps. Uh, good morning. My name is Sue V, recovered compulsive overeater in Connecticut. The 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct, direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I will now ask Janice P. to read the 12 Traditions. Thank you. My name is Janice P., and I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. Tradition one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Tradition two, 
For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Tradition three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Tradition four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Tradition five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Tradition six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Tradition seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Tradition 8, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Tradition 9, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Tradition 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Tradition 11, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And Tradition 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation for all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before before personalities. Pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to remute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 97, starting with paragraph 2, reading two paragraphs. We seldom allow an ending with the second paragraph, Life More Bearable. I will now ask Sylvia F. to begin reading. Good morning, everybody. This is Sylvia, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in upstate New York. We seldom allow an alcoholic to live in our homes for long at a time. It is not good for him, and it sometimes creates serious complications in a family. Though an alcoholic does not respond, there is no reason why you should neglect his family. You should continue to be friendly to them. The family should be offered your way of life. Should they accept and practice spiritual principles, there is a much better chance that the head of the family will recover. And even though he continues to drink, the family will find life more bearable. So this... This uh, paragraph is a reminder of how we are going to try and help the alcoholic, which is also um, to help uh, to help a friend. 
and to help the family. And so this, in the second sentence on the second paragraph, you should continue to be friendly to them. And that's what we're talking about. We're offering friendship. We're not offering a promise. We're offering hope. We're not offering a guarantee. But that uh, we have found a way of life that has helped us uh, put down alcohol. And this is where they're they're starting to refer to Al-Anon, is that people can understand that they can't fix their um, their spouse or their relative, but they can they can be okay. It says the family will find life more uh, find more life more bearable. And if we look back on page eighty three, when we're we're into inter- into action on the second paragraph. And it says the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Unless one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles, we think we ought not to urge them. We shall not talk incessantly to them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness would make a skeptic out of anyone. So when we come back to this paragraph, what what we're talking about, and someone has uh, told me once that uh, we don't carry the message, we are the message. And I know that when I was first working with people, I wanted them to listen to me. I wanted the family to listen to me because I knew the answer. And because it worked for me, it was going to work for them. And this is absolutely telling me that that's not the way to do it. It says... You can be a friend to them. You can be supportive by offering your way of life. And if they want it, not if you want, if I want them to have it, but if they want it, it we're going to be more supportive to, um, to the compulsive overeater. But the bottom line is that the family will be able to understand and not insist, not direct, not to cope, not to whine, not to cry. And... Um, so how does this work for um, compulsive overeating? For me, it was so, uh, like, my husband knows absolutely that he's never to comment on my food because it's not going to help. Not that I'm going to react, but that that's not his business. And that's the kind of thing that I think that we that we take into our recovery in this is um, it's it's not up to the family to um, hide food, to um, say, are you sure you want that next one? Uh, uh, Are you sure you want to eat that? Having said that, they can be supportive. I was going through a really, really, really tough time in Mexico, and I was with my son who knows I'm a compulsive overeater. And it was tough, tough, tough time. And I was going to work with him one day, and I said, you know, can you just stop by this mini-mart? I, I think I want to pick up some ice cream. And he said, okay. And then as he pulled up, he just said, are you sure you want to do that? And I looked at him and I went, yes, I'm sure I want to, but okay, I won't. And he helped me through that moment. And that's the kind of support that a family could give that we can be helpful with, but not directive. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Who would like to comment on what was read?
This is Helena in New Jersey. Good morning, Helena. Good morning. I just have one very short comment. Um, I do know that this is speaking to how we help others, but what struck me is listening to the reading that said life will become more bearable or that even if the alcoholic continues to drink, life will be more bearable for the family. And I'm applying that to myself and to my life. And I can hear myself say to myself, even if you don't get what you want, and you most likely won't get what you want, you will get what you need, nonetheless, you will be able to bear it without eating compulsively. Uh, life will become more bearable because of this way of life, and this has really come true for me. And that's all I want to say. Thank you. Thank you. We also would like to comment on what was read. This is Janice. Hi, good morning, Janice. Yes, good morning to you and good morning to everybody. Um, just briefly, um, I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. You know, thank you, God, that I, you know, try my darndest to, to practice these principles in all my affairs. And I live with an adult son um, that is a compulsive overeater, and um, he sees what I do. Um, but there's nothing I can do about his eating because the very first step teaches me. I mean, if I, you know, he used to be my eating buddy, um, but the first step teaches me that I'm so powerful. So I can't get upset because there's nothing I can do. It's, it's up to him for the choice that he makes. And if it, and if I didn't, you know, go to Al-Anon and if I wasn't in this program, especially, you know, the big book, Vision for You, how would I know that? It just wouldn't come natural. It, it just wouldn't be. And by me picking at him and picking at him and picking at him, I know for me I would rebel. I would eat more. So I just let him do what he wants to. Yeah, does it upset me sometimes? Of course, because I know what it's doing to him. But there's nothing I can do. So I just mind my own business and uh, go on living one day at a time. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Anyone else like to comment before we move on? Marie P., would you please read the next paragraph on 97? Marie P., would you please read the next paragraph on page 97 for the type of alcoholic? Yes, I will. Thank you for your service. This is Marie P., a recovered compulsive overeater. For the type of alcoholic who was able and willing to get well, Little charity, in the ordinary sense of the word, is needed or wanted. The men who cry for money and shelter before conquering alcohol are on the wrong track. Yet we do go to great extremes to provide each other with these very things when such action is warranted. This may seem inconsistent, but we think not. You know, when thinking about this paragraph, I'm trying to apply it to OA, I know that normally people aren't looking for money and shelter when they're in OA, but we can apply this. Um, 
Buddhaholics that are working hard are not looking to tug on us for for things that are are out of the ordinary. The Buddhaholic that does is so need that is so needy may be difficult to work with and on the wrong track. Yet we do go to great extremes to provide help when warranted. Many situations come up in life where we need support. It's a caring and loving it is the caring and loving in a way that builds the fellowship. A late call or a dinner time call may be an annoyance, but may be very necessary for the other person. So we proceed with love and the fellowship, and what we can do for them, we are also doing for ourselves, and we'll both come out stronger in the end. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Would anyone like to comment on what was read? Kim? Hi, Kim. Good morning. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. It says the men who cry for money and shelter before conquering alcohol are on the wrong track. And I can definitely relate in with this and definitely relate in from being a compulsive overeater and working with compulsive overeaters. Because we gotta get down to these steps. We've got to put the food down first and get to these steps. And there's often reasons, well, you know what? You know, gosh, you know, Thanksgiving is coming up. I don't have I don't think I can do it right now or you know, I'm going on vacation in a month and I can't be doing that right now or or you know, my kid's getting married in a couple months and I don't have time for this. You know, I often hear people say, Well, you know, until the kids are out of school or me and my husband are fighting too much there's all these reasons. We want to arrange our life in a certain way in order for us to think that we can work the steps. And here it's telling us that if we think life has to go our way before we start these steps, we're on the wrong path. You know, and I like to think back to more about alcoholism. You know, we compare Jim and Fred. Jim is the guy who lost everything and picked up. And Fred had everything. He hadn't lost anything and he still picked up. This disease is not dependent on life circumstances, and our recovery isn't dependent on life circumstances. That's one of the reasons, too, I love Roland Hazard, and there is a solution. This gentleman was extremely rich and had access to everything and couldn't stop eating. And I always thought to myself, you know, well, maybe if I had a personal trainer, I could stop eating. Maybe if I had a personal chef, I could stop eating. Maybe if I could get on the show Biggest Loser, I could, I, I, Julian Michaels would kick my butt, then I could stop eating. It was all about life circumstances. And they're letting us know here that we're on the wrong track. What we have to do is put the food down, put the food down, and get into these steps. And the other prejudice I found for myself, and I see a lot with other people, is my experience in Overeaters Anonymous is that the steps take a really long time. If if you're telling me that I, you know, need to not go on vacation or I need to avoid, you know, maybe um, family um, circumstances until I get through the steps, I am thinking, you mean I can't go to Christmas dinner for three years? Because the way that I was taught often was that you have to work on step one for two months and three for, you know, for two months and it took me a year and a half to do a step four. This process does not need to take long. 
We're shown multiple times in here. Roland went through the steps in a couple months. Bill went through the steps in nine days. Bob went through the steps in a month. In the back of the, the, the appendix, it says, what often is accomplished in a few months could have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. And in my experience, a lot of 12-step programs, not just OA, we practice years of self-discipline, which is why we think we have to get our life in order before we work the steps. So what, what they're saying here is that we got, we got the cart before the horse. Let's all put the food down, work these steps, and when we get that spiritual awakening, we'll be able to deal with that other stuff. We won't have to deal with it alone because we have a fellowship and we have a connection with the higher power. So for those of you who are saying, it's the summertime, the kids are out of school, I have a vacation, all those different excuses, let me read this one more time. The men who cry for money and shelter before conquering alcohol are on the wrong track. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? Larry? Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Melanie. Larry, a recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Thanks for your service. Um, so for the type of alcoholic who's able and willing uh, to get well, little charity in the ordinary sense of the word is needed or wanted. And um, and I agree with Kim. Um, you know, it, it's been emphasized over and over in the big book that willingness is indispensable, you know, to this process. I know it was for me. And there's a lot of, you know, um, I mean, the this, this steps led to a spiritual awakening sufficient to stop this disease in its tracks. So when I work with others, you know, I ask, I ask the God of my understanding how best to work with the, each individual because, you know, I don't know. I mean, the big book is my playbook. It, it tells me. I know it worked for me, you know, but I can't give anyone willingness. Willingness is a, is, is a one-person deal. It's a one-person deal. And, you know, early on when I, when I tried to work with others, I thought I could persuade them to become willing. You know, I would, I would use those different, you know, I would gain leverage on them, use those different, uh, you know, psychological principles and so forth. You know what? None of it works. And it wouldn't work with me. And it wouldn't work with anyone else. And I, had, I, I learned that over time, you know. The person, you know, for me, I had to be out of ideas, completely out of ideas. You know, some people take to this, this program quickly, you know, some people never do. You know, it's just uh, it's it's a it's a personal choice. Willingness is a personal personal choice. You know, am I am I willing? Am I desperate enough to 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 be completely out of ideas and to pick you know pick up this spiritual toolkit that's been laid at my feet? And for me, it took me over four years to get to that point. You know, I, others will tell you it took them much longer. Some people will tell you no, they were desperate enough right away. Um, the men who cry for money and shelter before conquering alcohol, I mean, to me, it's just, you know, it, whatever the person cries out for. For me, it was, um, I just, you know, the relationship, uh, you know, I needed or I needed to be, uh, you know, was the right job or, you know, um, I just have to get my head straight. Maybe, you know, a geographic solution of some kind. You know what? It was all internal games I was playing. I'll listen to the meetings. I'll, maybe I'll get sprinkled with pixie dust. 
you know, maybe maybe this is magic. It isn't magic. It isn't magic. The spiritual awakening happened for me rather quickly once I worked the steps. You know, and I, I've told people, then I, I was like, really? To myself, you know, I was thinking, really? That that's That's what this was. No kidding. Wow. I never really thought that that was that was true. Just working these steps, you know, doing doing the inventory, the action steps. I mean, getting to that point where I was going to take those actions. That really is what 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 enabled me to have a spiritual awakening. Yes, indeed, it was. And now my life has changed. I don't struggle with the food anymore. But in this in this uh, in this paragraph here, you know, I, I need to when I'm working with others, I need to be discerning. And I don't have all the ideas, so I, I, I go to, to the God of my understanding. How, how best can I serve this person, God? And sometimes it means me backing off. Sometimes it means me stepping in and, and pressing in. You know, I, I listen to that because God, you know, speaks to me intuitively now, and I trust in that. I trust in that. So with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? Anyone else like to comment on what was read? Hi, this is Elsie from Philadelphia. May I share? Hi, good morning, Elsie. Yes. Good morning. Thanks for your service, Melanie. Um, I, too, like this paragraph a lot and can relate to the whole idea that, you know, I have to get things in order before I can uh, put the food down. Um, And I had some of that same resistance. And what I learned is basically what was said before, that... um, when I put the food down and I get abstinent and I develop that relationship with my higher power, even though the circumstances in my life don't change, my perception of the circumstances in my life change. So that although things don't really get better, you know, and things don't change, but yet I can handle it better. And so that's what makes the change. And I can't do that unless I get the food down, I'm abstinent, and I work the 12 steps. And it really makes a difference, you know. I still have two kids that have autism. hasn't changed, but my perception of it has changed. And it's just a miracle. It's a real miracle. And I encourage people to not wait to, to get in there and, and do the work so that their perception of things can change. Thanks. That's all I pass. I'll pass. My, thank you. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment before we move on? Yeah, this is Carolyn. Can I share? Hi, Carolyn. Yes, good morning. Hi. Um, yeah, in terms of getting all your you know, ducks in a row before you can start the steps or before you can do step four or whatever, um, one of the things I hear a lot is, you know, I don't know if I have the right sponsor or I don't know if I have the right food plan. And, um, you know, i got to get that exactly right first, you know. And um, or I don't have enough days. You know, I need to have 30 days, or I need to have 90 days, or you know, all these different approaches um, to to working the steps. To you know, when are you ready? Um, the fact is, in my mind, as soon as your mind is clear, you're ready to start working the steps. And and you you know, in my opinion, you need to start working the steps. Any um, theory that says you have to have a certain number of days beyond enough to clear your mind. I think is dangerous because it, it encourages us to diet with grief support and, um, 
you know, once you get to that golden number, then you can start the steps and then you can start learning about recovery. And in the meantime, you know, you're white knuckling it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's, and, and sponsors. I mean, there is no perfect sponsor, you know, for anybody. And the fact is, if you're ready, you're going to recover whether your sponsor is, you know, wonderful or, or mediocre. Um, and if you're not ready, it doesn't matter who you have, how wonderful they are. Um, but, you know, don't keep looking for the one perfect sponsor or the one perfect time of day to, to meet because this is inconvenient or that is inconvenient. You know, program is inconvenient plenty of times. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of interruptions to your daily life. My, my family finds it irritating often, my husband in particular. It's 11 years that I'm in the program. He still, you know, calls people on the line, those strangers. You spend more time with those strangers than you do with your family. And, um, you know, and how many times I've explained that these people are not strangers to me and that even though he will never meet them and I may not meet some of them, these people are, you know, incredibly important in my life. And our relationships are very real. And, um, you know, that this is something I have to do. And so, you know, if you're sitting there waiting for the perfect anything, stop and, and, just, and just start doing the work. Thanks. Got it, Pat. Thank you. Hi, this is Melanie, compulsive overeater, and I just wanted to add to uh, to what has been said, just an example of what I was thinking about, to try to closely relate to what this um, big book is trying to say here that I don't have an exact experience with, and that would be when um, I'm speaking with someone and they're talking about the cost of eating in a healthy way. And I've encountered people, you know, that really clearly can uh, be more money than than beans and rice and and pasta, you know, from the the, the cut rate grocery store. Yet, um, when I get down to the next line, it says we go to great extremes to provide each other with these very things. I I move that into the idea of being very careful about the frothy emotional appeal, but I try to drive home the hopelessness of this idea and this disease. And, and I've gone about the business of walking somebody through what it was like and what it could cost to binge, certainly on the quantities that I did binge on, not to convince them, but just to give them a picture. I've I've myself been so blinded and so intoxicated in my brain, couldn't really see the picture and, and understand where I was having such difficulty. And, and I wasn't really resisting. I just was trying to come up. Well, I suppose it was in some ways excuses, but also there was some blindness involved there. You know, I was just so mentally whacked quite frankly. And so I have had time where I've spent with folks kind of doing the cost and, and comparison and, and have considered, you know, offering, you know, some assistance to get to get on their feet in that regard. You know, when, when apples in our area happen to be two ninety eight a pound or that sort of thing. But there's careful consideration and concentration and work with that in the in the contrast and comparison. I'll tell you the dollars and dollars and dollars I spent on binge food or piece of delivery and then putting things into perspective. It's just spending a lot of time but being careful about not being, um, you know, too frothy about it. But there is a, a, a level, just to repeat myself, of, of trying to break through some of the mental fog that I found was very effective and very important. And uh, I'll pass and, and then offer now, please, for Esther C. to please read the first paragraph on page 98. It is not a matter of giving. Good morning. My name is Esther C., a recovery compulsive overeater in Canada. It is not the matter of giving that is in question, but when and how to give. That often makes the difference between failure and success. The minute we put our work on a service plane, the alcoholic commences to rely upon our assistance rather than upon God. He clamors for this or that, claiming he cannot master alcohol 
until his material needs are cared for. Nonsense. Some of us have taken very hard knocks to learn this truth. Job or no job, wife or no wife, we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence upon God. So as a, a sponsor, of course, I want to be helpful to the people I'm, I'm uh, taking through the steps and carrying the message to. But I need to know my role and what my limits are. I need to show up when I say I'm going to show up and share my experience with the big book um, and whatever I've learned from my experience to the best of my ability, and, and that's it. I mean, to me, this is the easiest job in the world because I don't have to do uh, any research, special research for special sponsees or anything like that. All I have to do is my small part, and, th- and that's what my part is. I'm not a uh, you know a full-service spiritual caregiver who's going to, in addition to carrying the message to the steps of the big book, in addition to that, take care of all their needs or, um, you know, answer all their questions or, you know, be able to solve all the philosophical mysteries that, you know, that they've been thinking about. That's that's not my my job. And the other thing is that I've got no no special magic, me or any other uh, recovered compulsive over here. One of the phenomena that I've noticed or encountered in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous is, is what I like to call cereal sponsees, not cereal like as in the breakfast food, but cereal as in one after the other after the other, because they're, you know, people who I've encountered, it, you know, who, who believe that if they have the right sponsor, then they'll they'll finally get it, right? They'll finally be able to recover. So they'll meet someone and ask them to sponsor them and and, and that doesn't work out. And then they'll hear someone on the line, you know, maybe on a special edition, call them up desperate, and that'll start, and maybe they don't like their style. And then they, you know, perhaps hear somebody else or meet someone else at a face-to-face meeting and think that this type of sponsor is what I need. And they'll start with them, and that also fizzles out. And then they'll join a different step study, sure that doing the steps in this way is going to be the answer for them, and then they never finish or they pick up before they finish, you know, and over and over again thinking that the right sponsor is going to be the key to their recovery. But this paragraph tells us that job or no job, wife or no wife, this sponsor or that sponsor, that's not where a recovery um, is going to come from. We we do not stop compulsive overeating so long as we place dependence on upon other people, including a specific type of sponsor or any sponsor, ahead of dependence on God. There, there are people who put a lot of footwork in the program and can't seem to find the recovery that they seek, um, but they don't understand that it's not about just doing work. It's about at some point we need to turn our will and our lives over to the care of a higher power, and that no sponsor, no matter how gifted or how articulate or how... Um, special they may seem to us is going to be able to to do what only a higher power will do for us and you know when if, if someone m- makes any type of comment when i first speak to them about thinking that maybe i've got something special to offer more than just the first 164 pages i remind them that in, that most of the people i work with do not recover so certainly there's nothing that i have to give you know personally but everything i have is in the big book and it's and it's anything and everything that any uh any sponsor would be would be able to give a, a newcomer it's just the first 164 pages and the instructions outlined therein and thank you for giving me the opportunity to share with that i'll pass thank you 
Who would like to comment on what was read? Renata? Good morning. I heard Renata, and then um, I think I heard a couple of other people. Bella. Leah. I heard uh, Renata, Suji, Sarah, Bella, and Leah. In that order, please. Good morning, Renata. Hi, good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everybody. This is Renata, Recovered Compulsive Read in New York. Uh, job or no job, wife, wife and her wife, we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. This makes me think of... Uh, Sponsee, I let go of last week. Um, she was still eating, but telling me on her food plan that she's been abstinent. So you know, I I hear a lot, is a lot in the rooms that people break their abstinence and they go back into the food, but they keep telling their sponsors that they're still abstinent because. You know, they think it's their sponsor, think they're abstinent, they're okay. But if I am honest, you know, because God knows what I eat every day or how I work my steps or how I behave in the world. And my dependence has to be on God and not on, like, what people see me doing or not or what people believe I'm doing or not. And so if I don't have that very clear that my you know, the main relationship in my life is with God. I'll never recover, right? And uh, that's all I wanted to share. Thank you. Thank you, Renata. Suji. Hi, it's Suji. Did you just call upon me? I did. Good morning. Uh, okay, I didn't realize you heard me. I was having trouble with my mute button. Okay, got to put my thoughts together. Okay, um, the idea that it's not about giving solely. It's about when and how to give. There we are back at the boundaries again. And that question, what what are my limitations? And that I think of this is a program of subtraction, that we're getting rid of what blocks us from the higher power. And my limitation is that I'm not the higher power. So in thinking like that, it it brings me to this whole uh, disease of overindulgence that we have, which does make it complicated. It is a little bit more complicated than alcoholism because it's not just one substance. It differs a bit. For each of us, we're we're overindulgers. We don't want to put down the food. We don't want to put down what's behind the food, at least for me, and I think for a lot of us, emotional binging. So I want everything, and I want it now. And I can't have that when I'm helping myself or helping someone else. If I'm helping someone, I'm going to be there for them, and I'm going to quit my overindulgence in doing for them because that will kill me and them together in a little pile, and it won't look good. That if I, if I try to do for someone else what they need to do for themselves, it isn't going to work. And that's why our book is so helpful because it's a, just a book of how-to. And it's not perfect either, lest I say that and question our, our faith. It, it's not perfect either, and neither were the people who wrote it. But it is a book.
book of guidelines that says this is a place to start, this worked for us, this got us in conscious contact with the God of our understanding, and that's where where the action is. It's where the money is, too. It's not about the money. And so you, you go there and you find yourself recognizing, as I do at my age and my late 60s, I'm running out of time. I don't know when my time's running out, but I'm conscious of it because life brings you to that consciousness. And I want to make as much room as I can for love, for love of others, for love of my higher power. And that's where I have to really know my limits so that I'm not living in the food. And the food is just a metaphor. It's just where our where our overindulgence landed. It's not really about the food. But if you don't put the food down, you can't stop your overindulgence. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Sarah W. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Vision, for you. Thank you for your service, Melanie. This is Sarah W. from Iowa. Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. One of my very favorite parts in the book, um, page 98, uh, along with page 124. But, um, you know, this this is really, um, you know, as somebody mentioned earlier, this is like uh, the idea that... Um, when I did my fourth step, I came up with this idea that it was all my dependence on people that created my problems um, because I was never satisfied. Uh, they weren't perfect, and what I found out in my fourth step was neither was I. So when I, you know, if I'm going to just, you know, do the diet thing and put down the food, if I'm still depending on people, I'm going to still have problems. Um, and I think, um, you know, the idea that I can't rely on human power. I have to be God-powered, you know. I have to be higher-powered. And uh, the other thing I just wanted to say was that, um, you know, the extremes that I've gone to in my life for whatever addictive behavior I was involved in, and um, most of us have numerous addictions. It's not just one. Um, and And... You know, I was willing to go to any length for that. And, you know, I think, you know, we have to be beaten to a pulp, most of us, to get to the point where we're willing to do things differently. Uh, I am not um, anybody's higher power. Um, I, I am flawed. Um, I am I am not in a position where I can say I, I know better than you. All I can do is offer what I have found to be my solution. I don't know what your solution is. And I and I hope to be on the path with you to find your solution, but I am not able to offer you, you know, serenity and peace. That has to come through your higher power. So I guess, you know, a lot of this really comes back to humility. You know, this is talking not this is talking to the sponsor. This is talking to the person that's trying to help whatever way we're trying to help. And I have to do it with the idea that I have to have humility, that I don't know better, and that I really need to discern. As it says in the first sentence of that paragraph, it says, it is not the matter of giving that is in question, but when and how to give. And the discerning is, you know, am I doing it in a humble manner, first of all? And am I doing it like the the tradition says, for the greater good of, you know, two people? Because it's not just me that's involved. Am I doing it just for my own sense of satisfaction and ego, or am I doing it in a way that's able to 
just help somebody kind of flow along into wherever they need to be in their life. And I'm not sure I know what's best for that person. So I mean, I know I don't know what's best for that person. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bella, you're next. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Job or no job, wife or no wife. And I see here the relationship between a sponsor and a sponsee, and both of them, uh, we have to remember. So first of all, me as a sponsor, I have to remember that I am not responsible of my sponsee's behavior or success or recovery. I have to remember that I am powerless and I am here to give over the message of God and not my message. I have to give over my experience, strength, and hope. And that's it. I am not responsible uh, if the sponsee uh, will recover, uh, how long it will take him. I have to be there for him. And also, uh, from the sponsee point of view, he has to remember that I am not the higher power. I am not the higher power. I am not smarter than him. I am not better than him. I I am just sharing my experience, strength, and hope. And a lot of times I get a question or that a sponsor tells me, oh, Bella, what shall I do? But I binge today. So, and what you are going to tell me, and I am scared. Well, it's again, I am not the higher power. And the binge, you don't have to be afraid for me or scared for me. It's a question mark for you. Stop and pause. What brought you to binge? What brought you to to have a blockage in the connection between you and God that you came back to the binge? Nothing to do with me. I am not a teacher that I am going to give you a... A punishment. I am not a therapist that I will tell you, oh, you did wrong, you are not good. No, not at all. The binge or something, it's a red light. Where are you in your connection with God? And it doesn't matter, job or no job, wife or no wife. It doesn't matter. It's all about our connection to, uh, with, uh, with God because we are here to give over the message of God and not our own message. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you. Leah? Thank you so much, Melanie, for your service. Some of us have taken very hard knocks to learn this truth, job or no job, wife or no wife. We simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. Um, you know, again, we're in Chapter 7, working with others. So, you know, this is giving uh, suggestions and advice as to the attitude, you know, a sponsor has or step a guide when working with other people, that the dependence can't be on us. Um, you know, and all I have to do is look back at my own history, you know, in that um, I had to get beaten to a pulp 
to realize this. Um, you know, even when, you know, everything, uh, you know, I would desperately try to put certain things in my life in order and then recover, <laughs> that never worked. Uh, you know, that never worked. Recovery had to be number one, and willingness was an inside job. It didn't matter how supportive or uh, understanding, uh, you know, my new husband was at the time. I had to understand that this willingness uh, was going to come from within, that I had to want it, not that he had to want it for me. Um, you know, and when our situation gets bad, you know, uh, we learn that lesson. I mean, most people don't stay here. <laughs> most people do not stay. Or just look at the hundreds of people that listen uh, to A Vision for You, whether it's live or on the recording. Most do not recover. And that's not because this does not work. It's not because it's still not true as it was in 1939 when this book was printed. Rarely have we seen a person fail. <laughs> you know, the truth is is that most people, most of us, people like me, real compulsive overeaters, will not do the things that are necessary to make this thing work. And that's a sad thing. But that is our reality. Because until you believe this, this situation, compulsive overeating and this disease, this illness, is much worse than you thought it was, well, then the steps are just going to continue to hang in your local uh, OA room or on page 59 here. They're going to left, be left, uh, you know, without being applied, unless that you believe you're going to uh, die or continue to have disaster, um, you know, by your own your own best thinking, you know, and 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 so it's stressing here. We simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God, and you know, certainly. You know, our basic flaw, my basic flaw, had been this faulty dependence on people and circumstances in my life to supply me with a feeling of security and well-being and happiness and on and on and on. And, of course, I would continue to fail to get those things according to my wishes. And so I would continue to dig my fists into those bags and bakery boxes. And it wasn't until this disease absolutely beat me to a pulp, <laughs> to a pulp. When it didn't matter who was carrying this message to me, I needed it as if, uh, you know, uh, the, the drowning grabs for a, a life preserver. That's why it's so critical that my admission of powerlessness uh, comes before anything else. You know, why is it that that's that first step? Well, because practicing these remaining steps means the adoption of attitudes and actions that no compulsive overeater who is still compulsive overeating or relying on a particular person or sponsor can dream of taking. This is an inside job, this whole relationship and transition from dependence on food and substance to dependence on God takes, you know, for me, anyway, pain was the greatest motivator. So how clearer could the big book be here? The big book is extremely clear here that we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. That desire has to come from within. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? looks like we have time for one. I'd like Perhaps to share. Two. Hi, Good morning. <laughs> Linda, I hear Linda, and then one other, Linda, and one other person, please. Nancy. Robbie, Patty, Nancy. We're going to have, 
I hear lots and lots of names, and unfortunately we have time for two, and I did grab up Linda, and I will take one other one, please. Rabia. Thank you. Rabia. Thank you so much. It will be Linda and Rabia this morning, and the rest, um, please stay for the next hour. Good morning, Linda. Thank you. Thank you so much for your service. This is Linda from North Carolina, a recovered sponsor. Um, I just want to share a few things about, you know, the family and um, working the program with others. Um, I'm in program a long time, and when I first came in, you know, I put the food down. Thank God I worked the steps, and uh, I believe very strongly in my higher power. I also believe that without my higher power, I would never have been led to being able to work the program, you know, as far as with my other people that I live with. Uh, I am a mother. I have three children. I just want to share this briefly that I know today that this is definitely a genetic disease. I was married to a food addict. I am a food addict, and we both had these children that are food addicts. So once I was in the program a while and working the steps, God led me to, um, in those days, they had Oanon, which I don't know whether it's very strong here. And in Oanon, there were other sets of tools and strategies that helped me work with the family, my family with my children, things such as, you know, the detachment, setting healthy boundaries. Because for me, there was so much agony and pain and grief in seeing my children in this disease. And the thing that I also know is that the only thing I can do is set the example and be the example. And although I'm not going to go into gross details, my children are adults now. One is in recovery, but the grace of God, the other one is still in disease. I just want to, you know, say how grateful I am for the, for the tools of the A9 program. And the other thing I just want to say is that, you know, I learned something. I didn't cause it, I can't cure it, and I can't control it. I have to work my own program, spiritually enlarged, because the only way that I was led to all these other tools and strategies to live with other addicts, to work with other addicts, because it filters in every aspect of my sponsoring and I'm just very blessed today that I did have this other set of tools to work with others. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Rabia, you will finish this, out this morning. Thank you. Good morning, fellow visionaries. This is Rabia. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. And when and how to give... Uh, this is talking to me this morning about um, my loving service in my face-to-face OA meetings. And, oh, boy, you know, there's so many there's so many sick and suffering, and there's so many who really want this program of recovery. And, um, and recently I had an experience where I was just horrified. I was, <laughs> I was just horrified by by the message in the room, by the person who was leading, who was was nowhere in the first step, you know, just justifying why this person could eat anything they wanted to whenever they wanted to, and, um, and, and nothing about the seriousness or the fatality or the... And I and and I try to be very calm when I share. I really try to bring God into it. I try to pray for a message in my two minutes. And 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 I and I responded from a place of horror. And you know, I started talking about I must, I must, you know, put the food down. I'm, and I, and I have to watch my language because 
because it was a real eye-opener for me when I saw all the must in this big book, and that was only three months ago. You know, I've been decades in OA, and I never knew that there were all these musts. And I, I, if I go into these rooms, you know, with my sword of must and um, the language of this big book, I'm just going to turn people off because they'll resist that. And I, And so... You know, that's all I want to say. I don't have any answers. I just know I need to have a softness. I need to have a strong message. I need to be a power of example. And and, and everything I hear on this line, you know, I, I need to ask God to guide me in my words when I deliver the message. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rabia. And thank you to everyone who shared. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And would Lauren S. please read a vision for you? Yes. Hi, Lauren S. As in Sam, a recovered compulsive overeater from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, 